0: Hey, we are in a brand new series in our second week called In God We Trust. And if you got your notes with you, can you can you wave them at me so I see that you got them? Come on, let me just see all over There we go. Okay, good. So we are a note-taking church, and I encourage you to to take notes right alongside with us. And then if you don't have a binder, we actually have free binders for you out at the Connect Kiosk uh, to store all your notes in and to keep them together. But we are in part two of this series. Last week, Pastor Bella did part one called Beyond the Numbers, and I hope you're encouraged by it. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go to uh, oscconnect.com and, and listen to that uh, message. It was a great message talking about, uh, uh, about money and, and, and us seeing beyond just the numbers, beyond what we earn and what we spend, but what God has for us. And today, uh, I'm going to kind of actually back up a little bit. I feel like before we can go any further talking about money, I feel like we need to talk about what does it mean to trust God? I don't know about y'all, but if you've been watching the news at all, um, our, our, our culture is is going through a really rough trying time right now. Um, Southwest Louisiana is going through a really hard time right now. Um, how many of you know somebody or maybe somebody in your family or a friend of yours that's in the oil field that is suffering through what's going on with the oil field right now? Wow, there's a lot already. Um, and there's a lot of other companies that are that are getting hurt by this as well. And so we've done so much counseling over the past month with families who have lost jobs, lost wages, um, a number of people who've been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Over the past couple of months, I've done three funerals that were tragedy funerals. Either they died of cancer or died in a car accident or somebody killed them. Uh, Just a lot of bad stuff that's been going on um, all all around us. Um, But with that being said, I believe we're living in the best days ever. And I believe God is doing some incredible things in our church, through our church and in our community, despite everything that's going around and the money issues and the marriage issues and the drug issues. Uh, God is doing incredible things. And I wanted to start today actually off in Psalms. Uh, We're not we're going to go to Philippians in just a minute, but I wanted us to start in Psalms. Because I'm going to dedicate this message today to anyone who has morally, maritally, relationally, or financially feels overloaded, stressed, and no hope. And I want to share a a verse with you real quick before we go into the rest of the message. And this is what Psalms 34, verse 8 and 9 says. This is what it says. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Come on, that's some good news. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. Now watch this. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. Come on, some of you need to underline that. Maybe you've bought into the lie that because you love Jesus, you don't go through troubles. Well, you just haven't read the Bible. If you go through, if you if you love Jesus, the Bible says that the righteous will face many troubles, and so trouble is a part of life. But this is what he says, and this is the good thing. But come on, how I many know it's a good but? But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Comes to the rescue each time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted; He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Let's talk about that word crushed just for a minute. So back in biblical times, there was a a group of people called the Assyrians. And the way that they would actually torture the people that they they captured is they would tie them up to a post. Much like when you were going to get burned at the stake, they would tie you up to a post. But instead of burning you, what they would do is they would actually get all of these big, huge, boulders and rocks and they would slowly start stacking them around you to the point that they would create a pyramid of rocks around you where you actually were crushed from the outside in Come I mean, how i know that's a terrible way to die and so when you read this word right here who god who rescues those whose spirits are crushed i want you to have this picture in your mind of these assyrians putting boulders on top of people to crush them and some of you right now, I think if we were to do a poll in here, you feel this way. You feel crushed. All of life is coming down on you and there's just pressure. We could, we could sing the under pressure song because we're under pressure. But I'm here to tell you that that the good news of all of this is, is that God rescues those whose spirits are crushed and God rescues us each and every time. And he is not threatened by your situation. So some of you have lost hope. Today is a message for you because we serve a God. Listen to me when I say this. We serve a God who walks on water, who performs miracles, who robs the grave, who can pull us out of any and every situation and circumstance for his glory. Can I get an amen? That is the God that we serve. And let me tell you this. You are not too far and it's not too late. God has something for you. And I believe today's message is for you. And so before we go into it, let's pray. Father, we we come to you this morning. God, not to just show up and check off our attendance of going to church. But God, we show up today with one purpose and that's to meet with you. That's to meet with you. And so, God, I pray for each person that's walked in here, whether they've walked in full of, of burdens and stress and pressure, or maybe go, those in here that, that life's going well. Whatever it is, God, I pray, Lord, that, that you would speak to them. I pray, God, in our time together that we would, we would cast our cares upon you. And, God, that, that you would lighten the load. I pray that today that you would do what only, only you can do in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Hey, let's do a poll real quick. By a show of hands, how many of you would say that you worry? Raise your hand. You say you worry. All right. Everybody that didn't raise their hand was worried about raising their hands, worried what other people would think of them. I worry all the time. I don't know um, about you, but worry just always seems to be, it's really never a war that you win. It's just a battle you're always fighting. Anybody ever feel that way? I feel like worry is a lot like Jason on Friday the 13th. Like you can't kill him; he keeps coming back. <laughs> You're like I thought you were gone, and then he's back again, and then he's in the shower, and then you he, outside; he's outside. And so, I don't know about y'all, but that's that's how I feel. Worry is for me. As soon as I feel like, "Whew, I'm not worrying anymore," like I wake up the next morning, worried. Uh, I worry about a lot of things, and and if there's anything that I try to do here is is, uh, I share with you not only my strengths, but a lot of my weaknesses, um, just to encourage you to make you feel good. And, and it, and it honestly, it, it helps me too, because I feel that all of us in here worry about different things. I am by nature, a planner. Um, I would, I would be what you would call a mild bit of OCD. Um, like, let me just give you a, a for example. So like, if I have money in my wallet, which is rare. But when I have money in my wallet, I like to have my bills in sequential order. Anybody else in here like that? Anybody? Okay. All right. Good. I don't feel as bad. All right. It's usually one, 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 and then a five maybe but that's, that's usually about it. But if there is, I, I can't have it out of whack and, and I'll usually even fix my wife's wallet just to make sure that's just that way. Uh, I, I, I like things in a, in a certain way. I like things planned a certain way. I have plans. I have plans for my week. I have a calendar. I have a schedule. My wife actually has my schedule. We sync our schedules together because I like to have a plan. Um, it's really called control. That's what it's called. Um, but I like a plan. And if there's anything that I worry about, here's the thing that I worry about. I worry if my plan doesn't work. I worry that my plan's gonna get messed up. That's what I worry about. And everybody in here that's honest enough to, to be a somewhat of a control freak, that's what you worry about. You worry that your plan for the day, somebody's gonna screw up your plans. And so I, I worry about that. I worry a lot about the unexpected. Um I worry a lot about the unknown. Um, of what's to come. Those are things um, I worry about. um, I mean, give even more honest. I worry oftentimes if, if I have what it takes to lead this church, Um, I worry about if I'm going to lead my wife. Well, Um, I worry about raising three boys in this culture that are they going to, are they going to grow up and love Jesus? And are they going to be pure? And, and are they going to be men who, who love people? And man, I, I worry about that. I worry. Um, I, and then i worry about crazy stuff like uh like the past two nights this is just crazy the past two nights we've had mice in our house and and i could not sleep because i was worried they were going to crawl up in the bed and get me <laughs> this is no lie last night we caught i caught a mouse in my room at 5:20 in the morning i went got it with tongs by the way um <laughs> because i'm a man and um I just, I just went way down in a lot of men's eyes right there with tongs, with a sticky trap. I didn't even do the snap trap. I did the sticky trap just so they'd suffer. And so, and then as they are screaming, all the other mice are hearing the screaming, like the torture room, so they know don't go to that house. And so, no lie. 15 minutes later, lights go off. I got another one. Two last night, between five and six o'clock in the morning. So if I'm a little amped up, I didn't get a lot of sleep, Okay. And of course I'm worried all last night that it's going to go up the comforter up my leg down my pajamas and do some damage. Okay. (laughs) Like he's going to send all of his, all of his cousins and just going to be crazy. So, so I worry about some crazy stuff sometimes. Um, and then I worry about really serious things. Um, I worry if my son is going to be with us for long, I worry about that. Um, I worry about a lot of stuff. Um, I'm not proud of it, but I think if we were to do a survey in here, which we just did one and we all raised our hands and say, we worry about something. And, you know, for you, it may be you worry about your kids or you worry about your job or you worry about money or you worry, you know, if, if your husband's going to be faithful, you worry. I mean, there's a lot of things that we all worry about. We all, we all worry about different things. Um, But I want to share with you a big thought and I want to get it out right here on the front end of this message Because if there's anything you hear me say today at all I want you to hear me say this one thing and you're going to take some notes So I want you to write this down. Here's the big thought of today. If you hear anything I say listen to me when I say this This is what god has challenged me in and this is this what you worry about the most is really where you trust god the least What you worry about the most is really where you trust God the least. I I, I found that to be so true in my own life. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at, at, uh, Philippians chapter four. We're going to look at a man named the apostle Paul. Now, if there's anybody that could be worried, it would be the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul could be a worrier. I mean, the guy was shipwrecked, stoned, beaten, bitten by snakes all the time, always in prison, I mean just things going on his whole past life was Saul when he was killing people. So I mean just this guy's got a crazy past. I mean if you think you got a crazy past like yours is like t-ball compared to his. Um, he is a professional sinner and and now he knows God loves God. He's on mission for God doing great things for God, but his life just seems to not get any better and where we catch up with him in Philippians chapter 4 the book of Philippians is Paul writing this this letter to the the church of philippi and here's the thing about paul and this is what i want you to hear before we read this i want you to know this he's in prison and not only is he in prison he's chained to two guards and not only is he chained to two guards but he's awaiting his execution so this is the guy that we're talking about so what you're about to hear him say to us today i want you to think of him in this cell now when you think of prison you think of like prison nowadays like cable TV, good meals, get a good education. No, prison in those days was not any of that. Prison was like dungeon, cold, you got beat. They didn't care about you at all. You didn't get anything. I mean, you were treated like the scum of the earth. So this is Paul. And remember, all he's done is just try to do what God's told him to do. And here he is in prison. And so this is what Paul says. And I think Paul can teach us a lot about this idea of worry and this idea of trusting God. Look with me in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and this is what he says Don't worry about anything. Hmm, sounds good. <laughs> I mean, you know that's easier said than done. Don't worry about anything. Let me give you a definition of worry if you want to write this down. Worry means to choke or to strangle. Have you ever heard the the phrase I worried myself What? Sick. I've worried myself sick. Scientists will actually tell you that, that I mean, not even biblical ones, just secular scientists will tell you that if you are filled with worry, you actually can and will make yourself sick. You'll make yourself sick. And so worry is this idea of choking or strangling. It's this idea of of cutting the life off of ourselves. And so worry does this with us. And Paul is telling us, don't worry about about anything because we know a couple things about worry. Worry can't change the past. True? True? Worry can't. Control the future. True, but worry can mess up right now. It can mess up right now. So one of the things we've got to learn about worry is we've got to we've got to live one day at a time. And if there's anybody that that spoke a lot about worry as well, it was Jesus. So Matthew chapter six. I just want to read two two verses to you. You can go and read this whole chapter sometime this week because it's a great chapter. In regards to this idea of worry. But I just want to read two verses. And this is Jesus' words. These are red letters. He says in verse 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is. No. no. It can't. So. Verse 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble. Is enough for today. Now listen to this. Today. Is the tomorrow. Tomorrow that you worried about yesterday did y'all catch that today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday and here's what i know you're here today and you look pretty good you're doing pretty good we we fill our lives with worry about the future about tomorrow about what's going to happen and, and oftentimes you'll also find out that oftentimes most of the things that consume us and worry us usually don't even come to pass. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they do not. If you go and you read the Lord's Prayer, when we did the the Pray First series, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, and one of the lines on the Lord's Prayer is, Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Meaning that God knew that we need Him today. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread this day, meaning not tomorrow's bread, today's bread, that every day is a new day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be a new day with new mercies and new grace. God gives you, listen to me, God gives you just enough strength for today. Today and today only. Not for tomorrow, but for today and today only. You'll need him again tomorrow. That's why you need new mercies tomorrow. And the good thing about the new mercies is it's a new day. So if you blow it today, guess what? You got tomorrow. It's a new day tomorrow. And so Paul says, don't worry about anything. But that's a lot easier said than done. But he's going to now begin to give us, how do we not worry? How do we be people who turn worry to worship? That's the title of today's message. Turning worry to worship. Continue with me in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I want you to write this first one down. Here's the first thing we do. We pray about everything. We pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Watch, watch what it says. Philippians 4, 6, through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then, now watch this. Then, then, when we pray about everything, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live In Christ Jesus, the Bible never tells us to stop doing something without telling us to start something. So stop worrying and start. Let's try that again. Stop worrying and start start praying. So here's here's what you and I have have an opportunity to do when Jason wants to knock on the door. He wants to knock on the door. He wants to come in the shower again. And he comes in and here comes worry all over again. You have two choices. Here's your two choices. You can focus on the problem or and the size of that problem, or you can focus on God and the size of who God is. You can't do both of them. Y'all with me? You yeah. can't do both. You can't worry and worship God at the same time. Yeah. It, it doesn't happen. You can only focus on one of them. So when worry wants to jump on us, when worry wants to come in and creep into our house, into our home, into our lives, we have really only two options. We can focus on that worry, which will do... A major disjustice to what God's trying to do in our lives, or we can focus on the size of God's problem. And when we don't pray, when worry comes and we decide we're not going to pray, this is what we do. We rely on our own wisdom and we do God's job. We do God's job. So we want to be people who, who do what this wristband says, which is pray first. Pray first. We want to be people who pray first. Worry jumps on us, we pray first. We pray first. Let me show you this other verse. First Peter five, seven. It says, give all your worries, all of them. Give all your worries, all your cares to God. And why should we do that? Because he cares about us. See, there's no problem too big for God's power. And there's no problem too small for God's concern. Every concern and every problem that we have, he wants to help us with. Let's do a survey here. Help me out. It's a yes or a no. Can you heal your sick loved one? No. Can you change your spouse? This side said no. This side's still trying to figure out. I think they think they can. Can you change your spouse? No. Can you protect your kids from all danger? No. Can you ensure that you're never going to get laid off? Can you guarantee you won't have financial trouble? Can you control the future? Can God? So then why don't we just give it to him? Because he's the only one that can do anything about it. So when that news starts trickling down in your workplace that all these guys are going to get laid off, because I know what happens, and everybody starts talking. Dude, I don't know. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? This is what you do. You say, shut up. No, you don't do that, okay? (laughs) We're going to pray first. (laughs) No, you, you probably step away and... And you go, God, First Peter 5 says to give all your worries to you because you care about me. And so, God, I'm giving this to you because I can't change it. See, because here's, here's the deal. God gives you things that you can do, and then there's things you can't do. And it always seems like the things he tells us to do, we don't want to do. And the things he tell us, tells us that he wants to do, we try to do. Ouch. Is that true? The things God says, you need to do this, this, and this, we go, eh, that's optional. And the things he says, don't do this, I got this, we go, I want to do those. Yeah. Worry, I got that. Obey you, Ah, eh, I'd rather not. <laughs> Y'all with me? Yeah. I tell you, that's how it works. And this verse says, though, that when we pray first, when we pray about everything, when we thank God, then you will experience God's peace. Notice God's peace comes when we pray first. So we we pray about everything. Here's number two. Write this down. We think about the right things. We think about the right things. Let's continue reading. Philippians 4, 8 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. So who's saying this? Paul. Paul's saying this. Listen, everything you've seen me do, everything you've heard me do, just do that. Just do that. Now watch what's going to happen. Then, there's that word again, then. Did y'all see that in verse 7? Then, you might want to underline or circle that and then go attach it to the next verse in verse 9. Then, there's two thens. Meaning, when you do this, then this will happen. When you pray first, then the peace of God will guard your heart. When you think on the right things not the wrong things, but the right things. Look what happens. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, here's what I found in my own personal life. That when tragedy strikes me, when something comes my way that's unexpected, when, when I get a, a bill in the mail that I didn't know that was coming, whatever it is, when worry wants to jump on me, the, this is what I found. This is how the enemy works. The enemy's only good at one thing. You know what he's really good at? Lying. He's really good at lying. He's he is an accuser of the brethren and he's a deceiver. And guess who the the person that gets deceived the most by sin? We do. How many of you have ever walked with somebody who's going through something and you know the solution, but everybody else around knows what they should be doing. But they're the only ones who doesn't know that y'all walked with anybody. Where everybody in the family is going, you need to stop this and do this, stop this and do this. And they're like, no, everything's all good. And everybody around them is like, you're an idiot. Everybody's. some people may say it, some people are just thinking it. But isn't it crazy how everybody else knows what you should do, but you don't know that. You know why? Because you're deceived. And the number one way that the enemy deceives us is he lies to us. And so when tragedy or worry comes, here's what it happens. Here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to doubt that God is good. So your job is losing money. You lost your job. Here's here's where the enemy comes in. And you go to church and you say God's good. I thought God was like supposed to bless you and stuff. Like God's with you. Doesn't seem like it. Look at your life. Like, where's this favor? Y'all, y'all with me? Y'all have any of these same things to say to you? God loves you. Don't look like he loves you. Look what you're going through. But if love was based off of what we're going through, Paul was hated by God then. Because all the stuff that he went through. No, the truth is God loved him so much. And for you and for me and for all of us, worry jumps on us when we begin to believe the lie that God's not good, God's not in control, God's not with us. And so we got to think about right things. What is true? What is honorable? What is noble? What is a good report? How you think determines what you become. I guarantee it. Miserable people are miserable because of the way that they think and joyful people are joyful because of the way that they think I've seen people that have been so full of joy that are going through hell and I've seen people that have all the money and seems like no worries in the world and are miserable because peace doesn't come from the outside circumstance. Peace comes from the inside. Y'all with me. It comes from the inside. So we've got to think the right things. Write this down. If you think like Jesus thought, you would live like Jesus lived. If we think like Jesus thinks, we'll experience the things that Jesus experienced. We'll live like he lived. How many you want to live like Jesus? I don't know about y'all. I want to live like Jesus. I want to have the life of Jesus in me. Philippians chapter 2 says, Have the mind of Christ. Thinks. The, what, the, what you think about penetrates your heart. And then what your heart does, the way you feel is your actions. So a lot of us, <clears throat> this works in parent, this works in every area of our life. Let's take parenting, for example. So you have a, you have a, a child that is being just crazy, just like a demoniac in Walmart. Something's going on. I know none of that happens to y'all, but something's just going crazy. And the, the first initial thing that we want to do is we want to, we want to fix the behavior We want to say, stop that. You know, I'll beat you or whatever we say. And we want to quit the behavior. The problem is the behavior is being driven by something in the heart. And the heart is being driven by what they're thinking about. So this is what they're thinking about. You want to know what they're thinking about? Me, 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 me. Candy, candy, me, 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 toy, toy, me, me, me. We game, me, 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 me. And so because they're thinking that, thinking that, thinking that, now their heart's like, I want that, I want that, I want that. And guess what their behavior is? I'm going to do whatever I can to get that, get that, get that. Y'all with me? So what we want to do is we want to we change the behavior, but you really don't change the behavior unless you change the way they think. So you, you reprogram to think, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about others and others and others and Jesus and others. And when you reprogram, guess what they start living like? Y'all with me here? So this happens all across the board, whether it's in parenting, in our own lives. It all comes down to the way, that, the way that we think. This is how adultery happens. Guess how adultery happens? You start thinking, I wonder what life would be like with somebody else. I'm sure it would be better somewhere else. The grass is always greener on the other side. The problem is they didn't tell you that the water bill is a whole lot higher. You're going to pay for it. Right? Y'all with me? It starts with the way that we think. We believe a lie. This person doesn't love me anymore. This person really does love me. And we, believe, and we go and we begin this cycle. Adam and Eve started with a lie. You'll be like God if you eat this. That's a lie. Y'all, everybody tracking with me how this is going? Okay. So it all begins with what we think. So if you see behavior that you don't like, don't try to fix the behavior. Try to fix the way that you think. It'll change that. So we've got to think about the right things. Here's number three. We've got to be content with all things. We've got to be content with all things. Look at verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. Here's that word, content with whatever I have. I know to live on almost nothing or with everything. Paul's going, listen, I know how to be rich. I know how to be poor. I know how to eat at the, the buffet, and I know how to eat ramen. I know it all. Come on, let's give it up for some ramen. Okay. I, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it was a full stomach or empty stomach. With plenty or with little. For, here's our verse that Tim Tebow put on his eyes. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the verse that we know. But what you don't realize is oftentimes it's taken it out of context. It's not speaking of just, I can do whatever I want. It's speaking... When I'm lacking, God is strong enough. And when I'm abounding, God is strong enough. And no matter what's going on in every situation, God is strong enough for me. We're going to be content with all things. A lot of people aren't content. They're discontent. We're discontent with the way we look, discontent with the way we feel, discontent with our house. We want a better house. We want a better marriage. We want a better car. We, want a better, we, want, we just constantly want something better. We, need, we feel like we, we deserve it. We owe it. We want something better. Um, and we, we often will do anything it takes to get what we want. Let me show you something. So this is a real startling statistic that I found. <clears throat> Here was the question. The question was this. What would you do for $10 million, what would you do for $10 million? Let me give you the answers. So the first answer was this, this was the highest one. You throw that on screen. 25% said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. I can go buy me another family. I guess that's what they're thinking. I don't know how that works. They would abandon their entire family for the next one is they would, yeah, you can put, For the other one, 23% would say that they would become a prostitute for a week. Or more. For $10 million. What's the other one? 16% would give up their American citizenship. Go live in somewhere else for $10 million. All right. 10% would withhold testimony letting a murderer go. Saying, I'll give you $10 million if you don't, don't fess up. 7% would kill a stranger. Come on. I'll bust a cap. Give me $10 million. I'll take them out. I don't know. I mean, we'll just keep it under wraps. We all good here. And 3% would put their children up for adoption. Some of y'all would do that for free. (laughs) Isn't this crazy? You know what this, you know what this tells me? We are self-absorbed. We are self-absorbed people. You know, our government doesn't lead in a good way in this area either when it comes to contentment. Our government is $18 million in debt. I mean, trillion dollars, trillion dollars, trillion dollars in debt. The average American has 16 credit cards. 16? Yeah. You know, you know why, why this is? Is because we feel entitled, that we deserve more, we need to have more. And ultimately, it comes down to the way we think. We think debt is an issue of of wrong thinking. Now, there's good debt and bad debt and all that, and you can go through FPU and learn about a lot of that stuff. But at the end of the day, many people are under pressure because of debt. They're under pressure because of money. They're under pressure because of this, and it's the way that we think. We buy more than we should have. And then we lose our job, and then we're trying to figure out how to keep all the stuff that we've bought. And so it's this idea of contentment. I love Pastor Bubba shared last week a great definition of contentment. I don't know if I have it in your notes or not, but if, you, if I don't, you can write it down. This is what he said. Contentment is not having, is not the fulfillment of what you want. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. You, you know, you know how, you, how you get content. And how the devil can never lure you into anything. If you're always thankful. Right? If you're always thankful and grateful for what you have. And if you had an attitude that, you know what? I don't even deserve what I have. God, thank you for what I have. I'm just so grateful. The devil could never lure you into that. Because you just would always be grateful. Think about adultery. Adultery, yet again, comes to, I'm just not thankful for my wife anymore. And as soon as I'm not thankful, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm going and I'm, I'm talking and I'm flirting and I'm doing something because I'm, I didn't wake up being grateful and thankful for what God has given me. Think about, that, that's, think about that with your stuff. Think about that with your job. Think about in all of our life, if we would just wake up and just be, God, thank you. I don't even deserve this, but thank you. If, God, you never did anything else for me, you've done enough. You've done enough. That's contentment. I mean, think about Paul is writing this in prison about to get executed. And he says, I'm content. You know what? If God wants to keep me here in jail. All right. Good deal. Notice he never tells them, hey, pray for me so I can get out of jail. Never. Think about that. He never prays. Get me out of jail. You know why? Because he just trusted God. God, if this is what you want, then this is where I'm at. God, I'm just content. I'm just thankful for everything that you have for me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for taking care of me. Now, listen to this. I I want you to hear me real close on this point. See, Jesus warns us to be careful what we assign value to. See, in everything that is in our lives, we assign value to it. Okay? You assign value to everything in your life. If I was to pull out a $20 bill, it would be $20. Why is it $20? Is it because it's made out of $20 worth of paper? Because that's $20 worth of ink on it. Is that the case? No, it's $20 because that's what the government says it is. It's $20. Somebody assigned it a value of $20. For you and I, we assign value to different things in our lives. You assign a certain amount of value to your job. You assign a certain amount of value to your spouse and to your family. You assign a certain amount of value to your hobbies. We assign value to everything. Everything we we put a value to. Now, this is what Jesus tells us to be very careful of. And this is what I want you to hear me. Jesus says we need to be very careful what we assign value to, because what you assign value to is what you treasure. And what you treasure is where you put your heart. And where you put your heart is where you behave. So if you assign a ton of value, now, uh, let me show you how this plays out. If you assign a ton of value to your job, your job has so much value. What happens when you lose it? Or if you assigned a ton of value to possessions, to stuff, to a house, to cars, to what happens when you get in a wreck, what happens when, are y'all with me here? When it's got so much value, that's where all of our treasure goes. That's where our heart goes. We, we say this all the time. I can find out what you love because it's where you spend your money. Your heart is where you spend your money. So just open up your checkbook and see where all your money goes. And that's where you know where your heart is. Mine's Walmart and the church where my money goes and so where where our heart is there it is now let me let me say it this way rest and worry reveal where your treasure is now watch watch me you can rest at night when your treasure is secure whatever you treasure if it's secure you can sleep at night watch this and you worry the most when your treasure is most at risk, right? So if you, if you put a high treasure on your kids, which you should, hopefully, hopefully they're not the 3%. um, (laughs) But if you put a high treasure on your kids and your kids are valuable to you, then as a parent, they go off to college or they go off somewhere or they're out late at night. What do you do? You worry. worry. Why? High value. You got a lot of treasure in them, (laughs) And there are a lot of treasure to you. And so where, there, where you rest the most is because whatever your treasure is, 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 uh, is, is safe, it's secure. And where you worry the most is often where your treasure is most at risk. So let me ask you this. Are you worried about your job? you worried about money? you worried about your spouse being faithful? You wor- what are you worried about? Whatever you're worried about, you know why you're worried about it? Because it's got high value in your life. And we need to make sure that as Christians, we're putting the right value on the right things and not putting high value on things that really don't matter. Y'all with me? Y'all yes, understand how this plays out? And so we, we've got to be people who understand to be content. We want to be content with what we have. So this is a lot more than just money. This is way bigger than just money. This is just being content in life in general, realizing that I, I, I value what I have, not just what I want. So we're content in all things and then last but not least we worship god in all things last fill in the blank We worship god In all things So we pray about everything and we think about the right things and we're content with all things and we worship God in all things. So let me ask you this. What's the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? The answer is our perspective Our perspective I often think that the way we view our problem is the problem Whatever problem you came in today with that you were stressed out about, I think the way you view it is the problem. I think that's the problem. Now, I'm not not doubting that anybody in here came in with legitimate problems. I think many of us probably have legitimate concerns, legitimate worries and and problems. But I think we often view it the wrong way because the Apostle Paul gives us a way to view problems that I think is the right way. And this is what he says in Philippians 4.4. Watch what he says. He says, rejoice. In the Lord. I want you to highlight that or underline that or circle it. In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now we remember where where Paul is when he writes this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Come on. How many know anyone can say God's faithful when things are wonderful? Right? Anybody can say God is good when the bank account is good. Right? Anybody can say that God is with you when all your kids and all your family is healthy. But it's a whole other thing when you get the diagnosis that you didn't want to get. It's a whole nother thing when, you, when your boss comes to you and says you're laid off. It's a whole nother thing when your bank account is depleted and you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay all these bills. That's a whole nother level. And here's the question. Can we say in that moment, rejoice in the Lord? And again, I say rejoice. For Paul, he could. Why could Paul do that? Well, I think there's a number of reasons why he could. Psalms 118.8. Let me read a couple of verses to you about what it means to be in the Lord. This idea of being in the Lord. It is better to take refuge, say it with me, in the Lord. It's better. It's better. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than what? Than to trust who? Than to trust the people. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust. Come on, we're going to try it out. Trust. There we go. This is You've got to participate with me. Trust. In the Lord, with all your heart, do not depend on your own understanding. We've got to trust in the Lord. And look at Jeremiah seventeen seven. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, in the Lord whose trust is the Lord. So, this is what I do. And I, this is the mental picture I want, I want you to. You came in with worries. Imagine all those worries were just a bunch of different boxes that you had. And there's this idea of in the Lord. And God wants us to take all these worries, every single one of these worries. My job, put it in the Lord. My finances, put it in the Lord. My kids, put it in the Lord. Here's the question that I want to know. Why is it that we can trust salvation to be in the Lord, but to run our life, we got it? Isn't that crazy? How I can trust God to save me. But I can't trust God to help me with these things. And so we take all these things and we put them in the Lord. And this is what Jeremiah says. This is the promise that we have when we put our hope, our faith, our trust in the Lord. It says this, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And he does not fear when heat comes. So when heat comes your way, when pressure comes your way, when worry comes your way, he doesn't fear for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. It's not worried in the year of drought. Come on, how many be honest? This has been a year of drought. Relationally drought, financially drought, maritally drought. You have no hope. Things are seeming hopeless. And this is what he says. When we trust in the Lord, when we put our faith in the Lord. You will be one who will be able. Look what he says. For its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear fruit. Does not cease to bear fruit. I want to read this last verse and then we'll close. Colossians 1.17. Now look at this. In him. Who's him? Jesus. In the Lord. In him. All things Hold together All things hold Together If there's something In your life that's falling apart It's because It's not in him Colossians says In him Everything holds together So that means Outside of him All things fall apart And if there's an area of your heart or an area of your life that's falling apart. I can tell you the diagnosis right now. It's because it's not in him. Salvation is simply this. Believe in him and you will be saved. Listen, I know all of us in here, we we battle with worry. And it keeps coming back. And guess what? It'll be knocking back on your door tomorrow. Tomorrow. It might knock on your door when you get outside and you get a phone call It's going to be there And my encouragement to you Is to stop And pray about everything Pray about everything think about the right things. What is true god is this true? If it's not I don't want to focus on it And then i'm going to be content with all things i'm not going to be living for something more I'm going to be content with what I have i'm going to live simply And then more than anything, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you in all things. See, you can't worry and worship at the same time. So I'm going to give you just something real practical to happen. When worry tries to jump on you, just go kick on some music and just start worshiping the Lord. Just start worshiping the Lord. God, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills today. But God, I trust you trust that you're good. I trust that you're faithful. If God, if God will take care of the birds of the fields and the flowers, I mean, the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields, he'll take care of his own children. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. may we not be people who, who worry, but may we take our worry and move it to worship. See, trust is born out of a real relationship. The way you trust God more is you get to know God more. The reason why we don't trust God is because we don't know him. But the more you know him, the more you trust him. I never have to ask my boys, trust me. Hey, hey, we're going to go and, and we're going to go buy some dinner. Like my kids never come up to me and go, dad, are we eating today? Are we going to eat today? Like my dad's my, my boys, my boys don't worry about that. Why? Daddy's going to take care of them. Even if it's ramen, we're going to eat. We're going to be okay. Y'all with me? We're, we're going to be all right. Like my boys just don't worry about that. And you notice about kids, they, don't, they just don't worry about the stuff that we don't know. And of course, there's the pressures that aren't there. But the Bible actually tells us to have faith like a child, childlike faith. That we just trust God. God, you are who you say you are. You're good. Amen? Amen. I want you to bow your heads all across this room. Father, we pray right now. I pray for each person here. God, it's in this moment that you would, you would speak to them, that they would release the worries that they walked in. If you walked in here today, maybe, maybe full of worry, or something going on in your life that's really consumed your thoughts, consumed your life, I want to pray for you. And so if you'd say, Pastor Josh, you know what, that's me. Uh, I, 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 I've been so worried lately about whatever it is. Would you pray for me? Just all across this room, would you just raise your hand wherever you are? Come on, hands going up all over the place. Jesus, I just, you can keep your hands up. Jesus, I just pray for every hand that's raised. God, I pray, Lord, right now that you would you would fill them with your peace. God, we thank you, Lord, that is the peace of God that guards our mind and our hearts when we pray about everything, when we seek you, when we think about the right things, God. Your promise is that the peace of God would guard our hearts, would guard our minds. And I pray right now, God, peace. I speak peace into whatever situation is going on in each person's life. God, I knowing that maybe the situation might not change, but God, they're changing. I pray that you would strengthen your people this morning. God, I pray that you would you would fortify deep inside of their souls the truth that that you are a good father. God that you're faithful and that you're good and that you're in control. So no matter if it's a diagnosis, no matter if it's a spouse who's far from God, no matter if it's a lost job, lost wages, God, whatever that is today, I pray, Lord, that they would not walk out of this room carrying what they walked in with. God, we do 1 Peter 5, 7 this morning. We give all of our worries and all of our cares to you because you care for us. So just right there where you are, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just make this personal. This is just between you and God. Would you just tell God whatever that concern, whatever that worry is right there where you are, you know what that is. Just right there under your breath where you are, would you just tell the Lord, tell him what it is. God, you hear all this right now. Your word says in Matthew 11, for us to come to you all who are weary and heavy burdened for you will give us rest. So God, I pray that we would do the things that you've called us to do and then we would give to you the things that we can't do. God, I pray that over each person today in Jesus' mighty name.